Welcome to the Legacy Church Amelia Island podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us. Wherever you're listening from today, we believe that this message will help you to know God and leave a lasting legacy on this earth. You know, it's funny when you think through this life that there's so many things that you and I, different seasons of our life, um, we try to invest in. In, and we try to get others or encourage them to invest in. Case in points. Do you remember growing up, your parents tried to get you to invest in eating vegetables? Anybody remember this? And I now know what my parents mean when they said, what goes around comes around. Because when we introduce our daughters to vegetables, it's almost like the first time they've ever seen them. I'm like, girls, we live in the continental United States of America. You've seen a carrot and a before. You've seen broccoli before. Eat it. They're like, it doesn't have Nutella on it. Why would we eat it? I'm failing as a parent. You don't have to tell me. I know these things. And so there are things that you try to encourage your kids to do at young ages, right? We encourage them to brush their teeth, right? It's a hard sell up until eight or nine when they begin to understand and have friends that their breath stinks, right? You're like, you have to brush your teeth. They're going to fall out of your head if you don't. This is something you, you have to do, and you're constantly encouraging your kids to do this. And then there's these small ways of encouraging them with responsibility, right? Pick up after yourself. Clean up after yourself. Clean your room. Small responsibilities lead to bigger responsibilities, and you're doing this all the time. There's also something that you remember with your kids or your grandkids maybe where you're trying to teach them to not give up. So in our household, if you commit to something, you finish that. You don't start a team, you don't start playing the violin or the piano, you don't start doing something and then quit halfway. That's not how we roll in this house, right? And so if we commit to it, you're going to do it, even if you hate it, until it's done. And the next year or next season, we can talk about it. And so we've been through the gamut of sports and activities and arts. You name it, we've paid for it, we've done it. Recently, uh, my youngest daughter, Naomi, she's seven, she wants to do cross-country running. Right. Seven. My heart is in soccer. She played soccer last year and said, hey, dad, I'm feeling different about soccer. I said, what do you mean? She's like, I don't want to do it. I was like, that's that's feeling different, isn't it? So we're doing cross country now. So she goes to cross country practice. And this past week was her very first meet. There'll be a picture on the screen to show you her very first meet. Okay. (laughs) This is her idea of cross country. Mind you, the beginning of the race, which is this, right before they took off, in the end looked vastly different. She learned what cross-country really, really is. And so she's running, and, and then you can't see them as they're going around the different areas. It's like a wooded area. But on the comeback, somebody said the comeback. On the comeback, this baby had tears streaming down her face. She was red as a beet. She's breathing hard. Like the last 500 yards, you guys know me by now, right? I'm running with her. You can do it, baby. I'm with you. Daddy's here with you. And she makes it all the way to the finish line. My girl's in the top five, and there was boys in the race, okay? She's in the top five. And she finishes, and she said, she, she points this way and, and tells me to come over this way. It's like behind the bathroom stalls in the back. And this little girl puked out her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, it was not one or two heaves. It was five, six, seven heaves. It was, I was in the splash zone. It was all over my shoes. And, and how many of you know she wanted to quit? 
but we're not going to quit. We're going to keep on going, and we're going to keep on trucking along. We're going to keep on pushing, and, and, and there's a lot of things in life that are a tough sell. Um, you know what else is a tough sell is, is living for the kingdom of God. The tough sell for cross countries that she doesn't see the benefit just then. And brushing your teeth and all, they don't see the benefits of those things. And, and the kingdom of God is a tough sell because a lot of people don't see the benefit of the kingdom of God. It's so far off. It's, it's so distant. It's so not right now. And so it's, it's hard when you come into a, a gathering like this and we're talking about the kingdom of God. And you're like, I just need to pay a bill. or I just need my child to act right. Or I just need my boss to recognize me. Or I just need this trauma to heal. It's really hard to have a concept of why the kingdom of God is important. The kingdom of God is more important than we think and it's closer than we think. But what you'll find in this life, and, and I'm party to it more often uh, times than not, is when we're talking to people about the kingdom of God or encouraging them or, or selling them on the kingdom of God, if I can use that language, it's a tough sell. The kingdom of God is a tough sell because you have to think differently about life. So we're talking about relationships, friendships, sex, marriage, finances. It's a tough sell. Because you find out the way you feel about friendships, relationships, finances, sex, marriage, all these things, you feel different than God feels. And you're like, oh, he feels that way. That's not how I feel. His kingdom is set up that way. That's not really how my kingdom is set up. So when we talk about doing marriage God's way, are you aware he's already defined it? Are you aware he's already set the parameters around it? He's already given the ideas, the impetus. He's already set the standard for what a marriage is. What is a marriage? It's reflecting God's love for his church. Well, they don't give me enough and they don't do enough. And they don't this and they don't that and they don't this. We've already started the wrong place. Do our marriages reflect God's love for his church? He lays his life down for his church. Do you see what I'm saying? Oftentimes, there's things in life that we are not content with because we're thinking about our kingdom and not his kingdom. When it comes to generosity, here's what I found out. Nobody is really cheap or stingy or a miser, and everybody ties and everybody gives offerings. It's just something different, right? Save the fill in the blank, the whales, the trees, the earth, the animals, the landfills. Save something. Everybody's saving something, because it fits in the mold of the kingdom, their kingdom, right? Colleges and college stadiums, have you noticed, they're not getting smaller, they're getting bigger. And you know who's doing that? People. Their hearts are built around the kingdom that they're building billion-dollar stadiums, and there's no pastor or preacher saying, hey, this is going to save lives. They're saying, hey, this is going to bring more national championships, Right? And so these are different kingdoms at war at all times. I want to make sure that we understand. And God's kingdom has always been a very tough sell. Jesus says like this in Matthew. It's amazing. He says in Matthew chapter 19, 23, he says, I tell you the truth. Someone say, I tell you the truth. Jesus, I'm just going to make a plan for you. He says this. He says, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me give you some context. You and I, globally speaking, are rich. If you have three meals a day, you have transportation, a roof over your head, globally, you are considered wealthy. If you don't know that, there's a couple places we can send you to to know that really quickly. 
And he said, when, when you can provide for yourself, when, when you have means and resources at your fingertip, it's very hard to be concerned about a kingdom outside your own. Very hard. Because there comes a point where you have to say, well, that's not the way that I would want to do things. You'd have to say, well, that's the way that God wants to do things. And in this series, we're going to unpack what his kingdom looks like because Jesus keeps saying things. And throughout the Bible, keeps saying the kingdom of God is like this. And he fills in the blank. You and I should be so motivated to find out what he's filling the blank in with. Because if we don't understand what he's filling the blank with, you know what's going to happen? We're going to spend a life living for our kingdom and our wants and our desires. And we won't be able to figure out why there's so much brokenness dysfunction, why there's so many things that we prayed for and we believe God for, and they are so far from God, family and friends and careers and everything else. And we won't, what in the world's going on? Understand that we live in a system of a kingdom, the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world versus our kingdom and our desires. The kingdom of God has always been a hard sell. Paul said it like this. They were on a, on a missionary trip and they were reaching different people for the kingdom and people were coming to the Lord and, and, and Jew and Gentile. It was amazing. But in the midst of all of it, there was this guy named Demas and he said, yeah, this kingdom's not for me. And, and watch the words that Paul says. It's very strategic to what he says here in 2 Timothy 4.10. Paul says this. He says, Demas hath forsaken me. And you can feel his heavy heart here. And he says, having loved this present what? Or kingdom. He said, Demas, his eyes at one point were on the kingdom of God, but somewhere in translation, it got lost. And I don't know if it was a hardship. I don't know if he saw somebody else's grass and he wanted his grass to look like their grass. I don't know if something happened in his mind or in his heart. I don't know if he felt like he was missing out serving God. I don't know if there's a certain trauma in his life, but something took his eyes from the kingdom of God, his loyalty, his allegiance, and put it on the world. And he just forsook and and abandoned the mission and the call and the kingdom of God. Do you know why the kingdom of God is a hard concept? Because people don't know where the kingdom of God truly is. So if I asked you right now, I said to you, hey, where's the kingdom of God? What would you say? Probably would say heaven. Probably say heaven is the kingdom of God. One day we all fight and hope to get to heaven to be with God. And you would be correct. The kingdom of God is in heaven. It's what Jesus talked about. But Jesus reveals that's not the only place. If you've read your Bible and there's some scholars in the room that you know what I mean. The kingdom of God is not just in heaven. And Jesus reveals this in the scripture. Matthew Chapter three and verse two, he says this, and this changes everything for the rabbinical scholars. This changes everything for the society, for both the Jew, the Gentile. Watch what he says. He says, repent. Someone say repent. repent. It always starts with repentance if you didn't notice. He always wants to purify our heart. David said that he would come before God daily, that he said, Lord, search my heart and know me. What offends you? Cut it away. So he says, repent for the what? The kingdom of God is at hand. What Jesus just said, it was a paradigm shift. He said the kingdom of God is at hand, not will be at hand. 
is at hand. And he wasn't in heaven when he was saying this. Where was he? On earth. So he just gave all of us insight when we talk about the kingdom of God, that it's not just in heaven, a place that we're going to be one day, but it can be brought right here to earth. He changes everything. What Jesus declares and what he shows you and I is this, the kingdom of God equals this. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns. Wherever God rules and reigns is the kingdom of God. So that changes everything for you and I. When you hear the kingdom of God, here's what I want you to hear. Does he rule and reign there? Is he honored? Is loyalty and allegiance being pledged to him? See, God's rule can be established now with what Jesus is saying, whenever and wherever you and I are. And so some would say, well, what does God call us to be a monk and to be locked away somewhere, just read our Bible and pray? No, that's not what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to go out to the highways, into the byways. He's calling us to go into our field of study. He's calling us to be passionate about what we're passionate about. If you're in our growth track today, you know we did a spiritual assessment to teach us how God has uniquely wired us. He sends us into those areas to do what? Bring his kingdom establish his rule and his reign. A lot of people will say, well, I don't know what my calling is because I see people maybe vocational ministry, like, oh, you know your calling. We all have the calling of Jesus to usher in the rule and the reign of God. That's why the small, limited, just small percentage of us will be in vocational ministry because we get that God's rule and reign has to be here, but it's in the workplace, It's in family, it's in friends, it's in traveling the country and the world is where God's rule and reign is established through who? You. Through people. And so here's where things change because now there's ownership. They were looking to the rabbis to establish the rule and reign to a place that was far away. You were thinking, well, I got to worry about the kingdom of God God when I die one day. No, no, no. The ownership is now. The ownership is right where you are. The ownership is right where in the situation, in the season that you are in, the question now is, are you establishing the kingdom of God where you are? Is your home a space where the kingdom of God is welcomed into? We practice a lot in our church honoring the Sabbath. And so we we take out the bread and the juice on Friday nights. The Bible will call it the Shabbat. And we welcome in God's rule and reign. We say, God, your rule and reign is accepted here in our marriage and with our children. But in a very real way, this is what the believer is called to do. That's why this series, Kingdom Culture, if you don't know the culture of the kingdom, it's going to be very hard to say you're going to spend eternity in a culture, in a kingdom that you never represented here on earth. How does that work? Do you see what I'm saying? It is so important to know God's desire for his people. But Jesus literally opens a door here. He says the rule and reign of God is established where you bring it. It's established in the conversations, the actions that you bring into the room. And so now this says that your home can be the kingdom of God. Now this says your workplace, no matter how much you like or don't like it, can be the kingdom of God. Now this teaches us that we can be one nation under God because we can bring his rule and his reign. And let me help someone out because I hear this more times than not. Watch this that our country is so dark and this has happened, that is happening. No, 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 you're missing it. You're missing it, you're missing it. 
Now more than ever, there's delineation between wholeness and brokenness. Now more than ever, there's darkness and light. You know, our kids coming up, I heard people say, oh, I'm so worried the kids coming up this generation, what they're going to see. No, now there's no hiding stuff. Before people would hide how they felt and what they thought. Now we know there's light, there's dark. There's God, there's ungodliness. There's wholeness, there's brokenness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now our kids should know that's God's rule and reign. That's not God's rule and reign. That's God's kingdom. That's not God's kingdom. And when they taste and they see and they try, because they do, they're going to have a real understanding. That's not God's rule and reign because that left me broken. That left me insecure. That left me depressed. That left me suicidal. That made me want to cut myself. That made me want to die for a person. That left me addicted. That was a gateway. That was an entry drug. That was an entry for demonic things to come and just torment me. They're going to see very clear. So we don't have to worry about hiding our children because it's very clear now. Choose who you will serve. Very clear. And so what Jesus is looking for you and I is to show who you're going to pledge your allegiance and your loyalty to. Who comes first? What comes first? Is there a very conversation in your life or for every decision you make and think you do in relationship you have? Is this according to the kingdom of God or not? And it's a beautiful thing because now you have an idea. You are called to usher in his rule and reign through different seasons of life. Right. That's why a calling is not a one time deal, because if, if your calling was to be a parent with kids at home, then you would lose your calling when you're an empty nester. Right. If your calling was to run a business and now you retire, well, you've lost your calling. Our calling is to usher in his rule and reign no matter where we are. Amen. Amen. And this is what Jesus was doing here. It was beautiful. This is how he was teaching the kingdom of God. So here's now the next question, and here's what I hope really speaks to you this week as you spend time with God and spend time in his word and really seek his face. Because watch this, and this is very real. You don't understand how to usher in God's rule and reign. And let me be specific, his rule and reign. There's rules in our country that if you don't abide by, then you, know, you, you would be in trouble, right? There's rules in our homes. Some of you have homes where you can't wear shoes in the home, right? You got to take them things. There's a rule. Some of you have homes where you can't talk back, right? Anybody, know, anybody raised like that? There are rules in this home. You want to be called a Serrano. There are rules. And so there are rules. There are, 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 are cultural lifestyles and ways of doing things that you find out in the word of God. So that's what we, what we mean by rule or reign, God's reign. We mean that he, his kingdom is recognized in a certain way. Case in point, if you're hanging around situations or people or different things, there should be a real difference between you and somebody who doesn't know him. Somebody living for another kingdom, there should be very stark differences in habits and behaviors and actions and language and marriage and kid and child rearing and all these types of things. There should be real differences. And so how do we know what that kingdom, that rule and reign looks like? Through the word of God. And so that's why to be a biblically illiterate culture is more dangerous than ever. We cannot be one nation under God if we don't know what? Scripture. We cannot raise our kids so when they're old, they won't depart. If they don't know what? 
Scripture. If they know more lyrics of the latest, greatest pop star, but not Scripture, that's problematic. That's not the government's fault. That's not our country's fault. That's our fault. Okay? A lot of times in our culture, we want to blame the government and the country for things the church was always responsible for. Did you know that from the book of Acts, we took the lead on taking care of widows? We took the lead of taking care of the poor, the impoverished, the oppressed. Did you know that? And the more we give over to cities and, and officials and governments, we, well, they're not doing a good job. Of, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a reason. We were the ones. It was, it was the Christians that started hospitals. and We were helping the... Do you see what I'm saying? It's the word of God that helps us understand his rule and his reign. I sent my daughter a study Bible not too long ago. She's in college. And in her study Bible, I didn't tell her, but I put in some gift cards and I put it and I put in a 50 in one of those one of those pages. That goes a long way in college. OK, long way. And so I, I, I put some things in there and I wrote some scriptures I had her check out. I didn't hear from her the first day. I didn't hear from the second day. On the third day, I didn't get a phone call. I got a FaceTime. Got a FaceTime because she, she's reading through the scriptures. and She's reading the encouraging scriptures. And, and yeah, she found the gift cards and she found the 50. But what I want to do for her and what we have to do for each other is understand the rule and reign of God through the scripture and through his word. Because what you'll find out, it's very clear. It's very black and white. God leads and God's in every area of our life. And so when Jesus is asking you and I to choose between kingdoms, he's asking us to turn our eyes towards him. He does it in very unique ways. And one way is a parable. Someone say a parable. parable. Many of you know by this point, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus would make sure that his audience, which is very diverse, he could speak a story that they would all understand. And so I want to turn uh, to Matthew chapter 22. If you open your Bibles with me or your apps. In verse 36, here's where we're going to finish our time together today. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 23, verse 14. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 14. And it says this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. So what does Jesus start with? For the kingdom of heaven. He says, when you're trying to understand the rule and the reign of God, when you're trying to understand what spending eternity with him would be like, here's what it looks like, okay? So it's if you desire to spend eternity in his kingdom, you have to live like that now. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to keep preaching this. We cannot say I'm going to live eternity for eternity with God in heaven if we are not doing it today. If this isn't appealing today, this isn't to row you and I up to pump our fists, to say amen, to clap our hands, to want to put on the jersey of Jesus Christ, to want to represent him and put a sign in our yard to vote for him. If this doesn't move us in that way, please don't think that's where eternity will be for you. It's impossible. It's impossible. So watch this. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So this is personal, his own goods. He gives them something that's not theirs, it's his. You got that? Verse 15. And to one, he gave five talents. Someone say five talents. To another, and two to another, and, and another one. To each according, watch this, to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. 
This is new to you. Talent is, is a valuable possession. The owner is giving to each individual, and he has an expectation. But context here is important. The owner is who? Jesus. He's going away on a far journey, heaven. He's going to return. And there's an expectation of what he has given of the talents, of the valuable possessions, right, that he's given. You tracking? Okay. Verse 16. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And so you're seeing talents are going to represent their life and their stewardship of the things that God has given them. Verse 17. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So you've got this depiction of one had five, gained five. One had two, gained two. One had one and dug it in the ground. There's something going on here. There's a different depiction on how God's rule and reign is established in the first two versus the last one. The one with five gained five. God said he gave one with five according to their abilities, according to to their trustworthiness, according to to what God could trust them with. Because remember, if God can trust you, he can entrust you. And to one, he gave two. And you know, I think the one with two might be my favorite person in the story. Because you know the, the one with two did? He didn't say, hey, God, how can you give that person five and me two? Well, I'm not going to do anything with my two because you give people more than me. He's like, no, 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 this, this, is, this is my marriage. This is my, my, my job. This is, this is what I'm driving. This is where I live. This is what I have. I'm going to be faithful. Yeah, people have five, but I've got two. And the same God that gave them five gave me two. So I'm going to honor God in my two and trust that he's got a plan and a purpose for my life. Amen? Okay. But now we get to a different place. But one who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid not his money, not his talents, not his life, not his time, not his marriage, not his career. Are you hearing me? Not his investments, what God gave him, what the Lord entrusted to him. And after the long journey, he's going to have to answer for it. In verse 19, someone say after a long time. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came. Do you guys know Jesus is coming back? Do you know his return is not far off? Do you know the rapture is a real thing? Do you know the Bible says one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do you know that you and I should be preparing and planning for this with our hearts and with our souls? It says one day the, the master returned. And the Lord of those servants came and watch what he does. He settled accounts with them, verse 19 says. Do you know what settled accounts means? That means that you and I give an account for our life. That we will stand before God. We will stand before the one who created the universe. And we will give an account for what we did with our life, what we did with our talents and our resources. The breath that he loaned us, we will give an account for it. The family that he loaned us, we're going to account for it. The finances, the resources, the jobs, the careers, the time, the attention, the relationships, the reputation, everything that he's given us, we, we give an account for it. Here's what we did, and the account will either be in stewardship for his kingdom or for our own kingdom. 
And here's where things get real. And here's where, as a church and as believers, we have to be very direct. You can't mess up on this one because eternity is in the balance. You can mess up on some things in life and get past it. You can't mess up on this one. This life is hard enough. Don't miss on eternity. This life is hard enough. And so now we've got an eternal conversation where you have to answer. And he has to answer for the one. But watch this. He has to answer for the one, but the person with the two and the five also has to answer. And so what you're going to see is what the answer looks like. And so now we're going to turn to the next scripture. And this is going to earn is going to be verse 20, and it says this. Verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. You gave me all that I have. You were my source. You were my supply. You were the one that gave me the work ethic and the ingenuity and the resource. You were the one that helped me to study and to work extra hours. You were the one that helped me to raise those bad kids. You were the one that helped me not to kill them. You were the one, God. Do do you see his perspective? He knows God as generous. He knows God as kind. He knows God as a giver. He knows God as one with everlasting resource. He said, you are the one who gave me. So you delivered to me five talents. And look, I have gained five more talents beside them. In verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. We use that language with so many other things. This has to do with stewardship in the kingdom of God. That's what God thinks is well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So that was the one who understood that everything he had was from God. He understood that whatever God gives us, our time, our talents, our resource, our years, they are not for our kingdom. They're not for our rule and reign. They're for whose rule and reign? And he ushered in God's rule and reign so much so that God blessed the work of his hands in his life. Verse 22, he who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more besides them. His Lord said, here's his language again. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Watch this. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You know what's so remarkable about that? Had the person with only two talents complained about the person with the five talents, they would have been saying to God, what, you don't have any more? You all out? I want to show somebody this. If you struggle with contentment, God always had more for the person with two talents. Did you see this? He always had more at his disposal. He was waiting for faithfulness, obedience, and ushering in his rule and reign. And so now God says, you're faithful with little. I can can do more. But now here's where we get to this part in verse 26. Or not verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 24. And what I want you to see here before we read verse 24 is the tone changes. This is the Jesus that a lot of people don't know. They see the Jesus with the long blonde hair holding the sheep over his shoulders with with the the king of the Scandinavian Jesus, that one. 
the one that's not from the Middle East, that Jesus, they won't recognize this Jesus because there's a culture, there's a doctrine, there's a gospel that says live how you want and do what you want. And there's just grace there and it's going to cover you living however you want. And everything that Jesus said and did while he walked the earth doesn't count for you. Counts for somebody else. So this tone is going to change. Notice the tenor of his voice. Watch this. Then, verse 24, he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, have back what is yours. Do you see the difference on how he spoke versus the other two spoke? Do you see how he saw God as a hard father? Not generous, not loving, not kind. And many of us can see God in this light if you had a hard parent or no parent, if you had certain traumas in life, if you've been used, if you've been abused, if you've seen some hardships in life, you can take that and put that on God to say you're hard. And I don't really trust you that much. And I've got to hoard all my resources because if I don't come through for myself, nobody else will. What we're seeing is a depiction of the wrong type of relationship with the Lord. That they're looking out for their own kingdom, their own rule, and their own reign. And this is not the heart that God wants us to have. This is not the stewardship that God would like us to have. And so now you're going to see God's response. Watch this. Jesus' tone is it's obviously going to be different here. Verse 26 says, but his Lord answered to him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming. I would have received back my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. The one who had been faithful is now getting more. But the one who was unfaithful, even that's been taken. Verse 29, for to everyone who has more, more will be given. And he who will have abundance but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, what we think we hear from God says a lot about ourselves. What we think we hear God is saying, how we try to interpret something to make excuses for our lives or for our habits, behaviors, or our lack of engagement with the Lord, says a lot about us. And so what he saw God to be said a lot about him, didn't it? You're hard. I knew you. You, you reap what you haven't sown. You, you just began to go on and on about this hard God, this callous God, which teaches us he didn't know God. He didn't invest the time and the energy in the word of God, in the house of God, in the presence of God. And so what's so unfortunate is that he was creating a concept, an idea of the Lord that was not true for lack of time spent in his presence because the Bible says, taste and see. The Lord is good. The Bible says he lives to intercede on our behalf. 
And so you've got two individuals who spent time with the Lord, who stewarded their resources of their life, who ushered God's rule and reign in every resource of their life. And so when it came to give an account, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. But there was one servant who didn't spend time with the Lord, who maybe tipped him with time and attention and resource because God was hard. So hard, he thought he had to provide for himself. And what we find is he didn't know God. And here's a danger in our culture. And we talk about kingdoms and we talk about kingdom culture. And we talk about God's rule and God's reign. If you don't know him to be a good father, if you don't know him to be loving, if you don't know him to be for you, if you don't know that he's got better plans for your life than you have for your life, you won't trust him. If you don't take time to spend in his word, to be able to walk out his rule and his reign in your home, where do I start? Start in his word. That's where you start in your home. In his word, he says, give us this day our daily bread. How do I turn this massive ship around? By this day of a daily bread. By this day seeking God's face. This day introducing prayer and Bible study. This day turning away wrath with a soft answer and a soft response. This day, not having the last word. How do I turn on this massive ship and, and to make God's rule and reign happen in my mental health and my emotional health? This day, watch what you're putting your eyes on. This day, turn off the TV. This day, turn off social media. This day, turn off Netflix. This day, stop reading world news that just cause you anxiety. This day. That's how you start to establish his rule and his reign in your life and, and begin to all the time and all the attention we put in other ways, begin to put some time and attention into God's presence. How do I turn this massive ship at my workplace this day? Be a giver, not a taker. This day, encourage someone, don't pull them down. This day, instead of worrying about climbing the corporate ladder or getting the next and the best This day, worry about showing the love of Jesus, a compliment, grabbing someone lunch, sharing a devotional, sharing what God did in the church service. This day, establishing God's rule and reign, hear me clearly, will be the most important thing you will do in this life and that you will answer for in the next life. You might not remember this young looking preacher. You notice I shaved my beard this past week. I look young. My daughters hate it, by the way. You might not remember me, but you'll remember that scripture that says after a long time, they had to give an account. And everything in your life right now that you like or don't like, doesn't matter. You have to give an account for it. Because God is sovereign. Did you know that? That if he wanted it different, he could have made it different. That you and I have to give an account for these things. And will you find yourself The person who had five, if you feel like God has given you a lot, if you had five and are you using your resources, are you you using what God has given you to honor him? Are you the person with two? You feel like you got just enough and you're using that to glorify God? Are you finding the one where you're just hoarding and stewarding your life and your resource and your talents and your abilities And because God's a hard God? You haven't seen him come through like you want him to. Jesus says, this is the kingdom. This is a pair if you want to teach your family, your friends. If you want to begin to understand for yourself what God kingdom, what his rule and his reign is, his kingdom looks like, here it is, ta-da. 
It's not hard. It's not easy. It's hard. It takes effort. It takes intention. You don't trip into the will of God. You don't trip into the, the rule and the reign of God. You're intentional about it. You set parameters around it. You set boundaries around what you will and won't do, what you will and won't say, where you will and you won't go, what you will and won't look in your eye, with your eyes. This is the kingdom of God. It's intentional. It serves every facet of our life, and it doesn't limit us. It propels us. Because remember, the kingdom of God, it's not about what we can't do. It's about what we get to do. And God has gifted us and given us the high calling and the high privilege. Each and every one of us all have the same calling, establishing his rule and reign. It's up to each and every one of us at the end of our lives that we would have been good stewards, that he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter my rest. Father, thank you for your faithfulness and your love. Thank you for revealing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven through these three individuals, Father, where you gave them these talents to steward, Father. And right now, each and every one of us have a talent to steward with our lives and our relationships and, and Lord, our resources and our finances and, and Lord, our, our friends, our family, our mental, our emotional health. There's all these things that you have given us, Father. They're from you. And I pray you would right now convict us, challenge us and encourage us, Father, how to establish your rule and your reign this day. Now, we're about next week. Just this, today can we start. That we will no longer cross that boundary. We will no longer go into the gray. We will establish your rule and reign in our thinking and in our actions and our conversations and what we listen to and, and where we go and what we do and who we give access to our lives, God. We desire your rule and reign, King Jesus. Teach us, Father, even in the most difficult of areas, and I'm sure some of those will come up, Father, those difficult areas where your rule and reign be established in all the the earth in us and through us, Father. In our homes, in our workplaces, right here in our city, in our schools, in our country, we pray, Father. Lastly, as your heads are bowed, I want to pray for those who are far from Jesus. And I know for different people that looks different. Maybe you prayed a prayer at some point in your life and you've walked away from the Lord. For others, you've never prayed a prayer, but here's what I want to tell you. No matter where you find yourself, today is the day to repent and to receive the Lord into your life and, and to walk in, in his ways and to spend eternity with him. That when you give an account for your life, it was a life lived for him. So if that's you, you don't want to leave this place without the Lord. You don't want to log off without the Lord. And so I want to give you an opportunity to repent and welcome the Lord into your life and, and spend the rest of your day serving him. And so if that's you, I want to ask you to bow your heads, raise your hands, bow, whatever feels most natural. If you're surrendering right now, you take that posture of surrender. Repeat after me along with our church family that want to pray with you in this moment. Lord God, we believe in you. We repent of our sins. We receive Jesus and his saving blood. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. Give us a hunger for your word and for discipleship. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Put your hands together, church family.
We hope that you were challenged, impacted, and blessed by the message today. We're so glad you joined us. For more information, please visit LegacyChurchAI.org or take a moment to follow us on Instagram at LegacyChurchAI.